0: Welcome to Discover Indie Film. I'm your host, Jeff Howard, and this is a fun and crazy podcast we're recording. There are two people in the room with me and two people on Zoom. So audio quality, we think we've got it down. But I'm just letting you know, as I am about to let these four lovely people introduce themselves, that if you have audio problems, just blame Zoom. Don't blame us. Blame the Zoom Corporation. Uh, Yeah, generally. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. Right, so who wants to introduce themselves first?
1: Oh. Well, uh, Andrew's pointing at me, so I guess I'll start. Uh, my name's Cameron A. Mitchell. I'm one of the founding members and partners of Tequila Mockingbird Productions, and I am the writer-director of the movie This Sucks.
2: And my name is Andrew Menjivar. I am the filmmaker and director-cinematographer for Driven, the Tony Pearson story, um, and also one of the founding members of uh, Tequila Mockingbird Productions. Woo.
0: And on our screen, we have this,
3: the players. From Tony this film, Pearson. So. My name is Tony Pearson, and I'm the guy from Driven. <laughs> it's the Tony Pearson story. It's story. your story. It's my story. Yes. April?
1: Hi. Uh,
4: my name is April Denise Scott, and I'm the lead actress in this set. Woo! Woo! <laughs>
0: And of all things, the wonderfully titled Tequila Mockingbird Productions, I think I know one of the other people involved, Uh, Teresa?
1: Yeah, Teresa's our third partner. That
0: is correct. And she has somehow been at the festival. I can't even recall, but... At the Sherman Oaks Film Festival? That or Film Invasion Los Angeles. She might have, oh, or it yeah. might have even been a screenwriting competition that we host there. But anyway, okay. wonderful name, by the way.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I will give my partner's credit on a lot of things, but I take full credit for the name. Yeah. That right. was all me. Yeah, all right. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, for those who don't know,
0: one of the things we, or the main thing we do on this podcast, is find out what inspires people to get into the arts, into filmmaking. The fact that you have a, something scripted and a documentary, documentary is always an impressive passion project because talk about longevity and persistence necessary and then doing something scripted is no less challenging
2: so and now take those two concepts that you just described and have them go at the exact same time and you have our crazy <laughs> don't don't have them do that it's terrible don't do that no that that's what we did <laughs> don't do that
0: so you made both films concurrently Unfortunately, yes.
1: Yeah, we started filming. Um, so the very first piece of footage we filmed for Driven was in November of 2020 because uh, Tony was competing in a competition. And so we wanted to document that. And then from there, that led to the creation of the rest of the film. And then we filmed This Sucks in uh, September of 2021. So we were still filming for Driven. at the s- We kind of took a pause because we were, you know, in the middle of this other production Um, But we were filming, we were doing post-production, we were doing the edit for Driven, then we filmed The Sucks and then started post-production on that one. And now post-production has dovetailed to the point where both movies are probably going to be finished within about a week, a week and a half of each other, which is not something we would have expected.
2: Nor do we recommend anyone do. Not
1: even slightly.
2: And you
0: have premieres lined up,
2: yeah? We do. Both... Projects are going to be premiered at the Golden State Film Festival, um, which is the hosted at
0: the Chinese Theater in Hollywood. And they're both, uh, and so you're actually grinding it out at the end?
1: Yes, uh, we have. So by the time this episode airs, all of these problems will be far behind us, thankfully. Um, but the screenings are February 25th and 26th. Uh, it is currently February 7th. Uh, so we have just these last few pieces of post production for both movies that Andrew and I are pretty much hanging out every single night, well into the night, to uh, crank out these final few pieces.
0: Well, I've made, I may have shown you the list of podcasts that are in line before this one, but for, by the way, you're allowed to curse on this. It has oh, the explicit yeah. warning. I was oh, just going to okay say for <laughs> shits and giggles. We could time it closer to the screening just. Just for the hell of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, if that was some, if that was something you wanted to do. It's possible. Okay. I mean, I hate to cut the line, but like, i am cut the line. Yeah, with the flip, you know? I don't <laughs> think it hurts anyone. I just want to go before Skylar's episode. That's all I want. That's personal.
3: <laughs>
1: no, Skylar is delightful. And Skylar, if you're listening to this, I love you. You're delightful. All right, so we're chatting, but who wants to talk about how they got involved in the arts
0: and or... uh Tony's passion of bodybuilding, right?
1: Mm-hmm. April, you want to start us off this time?
0: Oh, yeah, um, I'm kind of interested.
2: Okay. I don't know your whole backstory either, so this will be fun for me what? too. And you can you go back as Andrew? young as you
0: want. If you, that. if in okay. nursery school, you got started um, with acting, let us know. Like, go back as early <laughs> as you need to.
4: Uh, well, I guess I I started. Well, art came to me, I guess, when I was a kid, and like kind of preschool, I guess. I started off sketching and drawing. Um, And my uh, teachers told my parents to send me to art school, but they couldn't afford it. (laughs) So uh, when I was in, I think I was, I can't remember what grade I was in, but I think I was six or seven years old. Um, We had ballet dancers from San Francisco Ballet come to teach us how to dance one class. And um, I didn't realize they were recruiting. Uh, So they gave me a full paid scholarship and I stayed in San Francisco ballet for about six or seven years, uh, performed professionally in the Nutcracker for like three years. Uh, But then I had like no social life (laughs) going into high school. So I left ballet, but um, never stopped dancing. I like did all kinds of dance in high school and was the captain of my hip hop dance team my senior year. And um, Stopped after that and even did some bodybuilding myself and like did some CrossFit and weightlifting. And his eyes just lit up. <laughs> oh, yeah, did he? <laughs> and, um, and I'm still weightlifting, but um, get slowly getting back into dance. I got out of retirement last year from dancing and, um, yeah, just slowly getting back into it again. And um, I'm actually planning to get back into ballet again this year. Uh, But I've always been into performing arts. I've always wanted to, uh, I found out I could sing when I was nine. I've always wanted to perform, but, you know, my parents were like, no, you're going to be a doctor. You're going to be a lawyer. There's no money in that. Um, And I tried to follow their path, but after six years of being in the medical field, I was like, no, I can't give up my dreams. So, um, decided to train in acting uh, because I knew I wanted to act, but didn't know how to really (laughs) So trained hardcore for uh, three or four years uh, before really putting my feet out there. And then as soon as I do, hey, Cameron, <laughs> feature hey, film, April. this sucks, you know? <laughs> so it was a really, really, really good first experience.
0: I have to immediately respond that I've met many people who grew up doing ballet and then moved into other arts and it really is always a joke, a running joke. That's so accurate that after ballet, nothing is tough. Like no, I know people have done, tough. done, you know, improv yeah, programs that so are true. super competitive and they're like, and I just joke like, so was it less competitive than ballet? And they're like, Oh, of course the, uh, the fellow ballerinas were awful to me.
4: That is so crazy that you you're so smart. (laughs) You're very (laughs) smart because I always have to educate people on that Um, because I did modeling for about a decade and people say, oh, that's a very competitive industry. And I say it's nothing compared to ballet. Nothing at all. It's a very, very tough industry because you're competing with people in that small little school. And there's only one person that can get that spot in that show, the lead spot. So it's, it's very competitive.
1: It is. Well, you still be. do some modeling, right? Don't you?
4: Um, I do. I do. But, you know, but I'm an actress. I love acting. <laughs>
1: respect, I respect. do.
4: But, you know, my heart is in performing. I love to perform.
1: So, you know, Oh, well, you're very good at it.
4: Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Always <laughs> ready for it. It's fun.
0: And did you know you had a former ballerina? when you were directing this sucks?
1: No. So actually uh, April getting involved with the project was kind of a total fluke. Um mm-hmm. so we shot in September of 2021 and before that we we locked our cast in place probably around March, was it? Something like that. Yeah. So we had we actually had two uh, completely different leads. So the main characters are Jess uh who April plays and then her uh demon Jake who Michael Hooper plays. Um, but originally we did not have April or Michael. So we had these other two actors and then one of them who played Jess, she had to drop out due to a family emergency. Uh, the other one, the location wasn't working. He was in Detroit. We couldn't bring him over. Um, so with about six weeks to go before production, all of a sudden we had to recast our two lead actors. And, uh, we, we locked onto Michael Hooper pretty quick. He was really funny. He had a great audition. He did some good chemistry reads for us. So we brought him on board And then uh, he came over to my apartment to film. Um, So he plays this demon character for most of the film, and he's in this very heavy SFX makeup. The process takes about four hours. He's got makeup. He's got paint. He's got a wig, horns, costuming, legs, everything. And so Michael came over to my apartment to do a a demon makeup test. And while he was there, I was kind of keeping him apprised of the situation. I said, okay, so we don't quite have our Jess yet. Uh, We got a few people who are pretty close, but no one's quite right yet. And he said, well, uh, what about my friend April? And I said, well, who's your friend April? And uh, the two of you were going to uh, Beverly Hills Playhouse together, the acting school. And Michael said, you know, she's really great. I think she'd be a good fit for the part. And I said, yes. And, you know, send her, uh, send me her info. And I think I reached out to you during that makeup test. I think I sent you that initial email. And April reached out (laughs) pretty quick back. And she said, yeah, no, I'd love to do a self-tape. And her self-tape was amazing. And so we brought you in for a chemistry read with Michael and we had, I think we had four actresses doing those chemistry reads and April was the last of the day. And the two of them together were just magical. Like they brought out some, like April brought out something in Michael that we hadn't seen before during all of these, this, you know, lengthy auditioning process. And Michael brought out something in April too, that we hadn't seen from her initial tape. And so after you, you left, Michael left, The me and Andrew and whoever else was on that uh, call, we just kind of sat there for a minute and like, it's it's April, right? And it's like, yeah, no, it's obviously April. And so I reached out to you, I think, again, later that day. And I was like, hey, April, you're in our movie. Congratulations. Come over now to do the makeup test. And she was like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> but it couldn't have worked out better. You know, the four of them, the four leads, April, Michael, and then uh, Emily Fletcher and Eric Flores, who play uh, April's character's roommates. They're so good. They're so funny. You know, I've seen this movie 50 billion times at this point through the editing process. And they still make me laugh throughout, which I feel like is a pretty good sign that they're doing something right. Excellent.
0: Of all things, I've got to mention that after eight years of running film festivals, I have noticed the Beverly Playhouse comes up all the time with wonderful actors. Beverly Playhouse has such a good program And they have their own little film festival where people shoot. So I think it gets people on camera much quicker than Mm -hmm. other acting programs around. So bravo. Good move. Good move. Thank you, April. Thank you. (laughs) Well, I feel like we got to be fair. Oh, here we go. Oh, uh, I just wanted to mention
2: a really funny story. Uh, When we were doing kind of a, a script read over Zoom um, to see just how the chemistry fit between all of the characters between April, especially April being like one of the last members to come into the whole uh, uh, cast, uh, just to see, you know, how everyone kind of worked together. There's a scene where they're all kind of uh, playing drunk. They they were, they just had a whole party and it, it just felt like the most natural scene. They just, it felt like they were friends for the longest time. Mm-hmm.
0: It it, it was a magical moment. <laughs> <was> Wonderful. <laughs> I was trying to segue over to Driven, so we can give equal time and get Tony involved. Oh yeah, let's do that. So how did Hi, Driven... Tony and you Hello. sort of start to explain how Driven got started?
2: Yeah. So uh, Driven, we started the process uh, back in November 2020. That's when I met Tony for the very first time. Um we actually got involved with Tony before hand because he just came out with his memoir uh, Driven My Secret Untold Story
1: available now on Amazon Prime. Oh,
2: please go ahead and purchase. <laughs> and um uh, he wanted an audio book version of that and uh, so he actually through a mutual friend reached out to us and we were like, "Oh yeah, absolutely, we can produce an audio book." You know, I think we should actually purchase the book and read what we're we're getting into. Yeah. <laughs> and so we go we got copies of the book just to see what we were getting into. And um I was just taken aback uh because the story was so good from the very first chapter of that book. It kind of envelops you a lot of the 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 chapters, Tony just uh writes uh these these scenes as if they were like movie scenes, but they're not movie scenes. These these are things that actually happened, which makes it even that much more incredible. Um, and then I had gotten wind that uh Tony was actually gonna compete in a bodybuilding competition for the very last time before he retired. And I thought that I don't know what I'm going to do with this footage, but I'm going to go out there and on a whim, I think I had two days notice. I'm going to just go out to Vegas, document this moment. I don't know what I'm doing with it, but I feel I felt like it needed to be captured at that time. Um, and so I captured that moment. I went back and I actually edited a 10, I think 10 minute concept, a 12 minute concept documentary of what this possibly could be. And I presented that to Tony. And um, what did you think, Tony? I forget. That was so long ago. What did you think of my concept documentary? I think it was
3: great. It was awesome. So yeah, that was my last time on stage. I was 63 years old and I've been competing since 1976. That was the final showdown. And it was in Las Vegas. That's where I live. So that's why I wanted to finish it here at home and you know just get in shape if I could for the last time it's very challenging after 60. but I pulled it off and then you know won my category um master universe and yeah it was a great it was a great thing that you did I was glad you was there I get, getting it on tape that's great on tape, of course, yes of course uh yeah and
2: uh in our very first interview uh together I you actually mentioned that uh several times about how Difficult it is because, and I think this is a direct quote: "Is every every decade your body changes, and it, your body tells you that it changes, and you have to work even that much harder to try to overcome new obstacles that your body just presents with you, presents to you."
3: Yeah, it's it's very challenging, and your body, like like I said, your body changes and. You just got to figure out, learn yourself and keep listening to your body because it's talking to you the whole time. And, you know, you have to change your workout, your nutrition, everything has to change. And if you want to continue on, like even now, I want to continue on training for myself to stay in shape. But there's a lot of exercises I can't do, a lot of foods I can't eat. So a lot of aches and pains you have to deal with. But that's part of part of the sports, any sport.
1: I'm actually I'm actually kind of excited because this is the first time April and Tony have been in the same, you know, room together, but you're both so fitness focused. You know, I see, uh, you know, April, I see you posting stuff all the time at the gym and Tony, obviously. So I, I, I feel like you two would get along really well because of that interest in pretty intense fitness regimen.
4: I think so. I was saying, like, can you train me?
3: (laughs) Oh, he can absolutely train you. Anytime you're I'm a personal trainer. That's what I I do. I'm a
4: personal trainer. Okay. (laughs) Okay. We'll we'll talk. We'll chat.
0: (laughs) It is pretty wild that your documentary and your scripted comedy have these kinds of things in common. Completely unintentional.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Oh yeah, Um,
2: and then uh, just to go right back to Tony, I just remembered what I I was going to say. I I, I did, I did, I got there. there. (laughs) Um, That is a a concept, a a theme that we go over in the documentary of uh, how Tony has to overcome some of these new obstacles because we, you know, we go over his whole life story, uh, but we do have a lot on his final competition, and of course. There, there are those challenges that Tony has to face um, before he goes back up on stage. And that's something I feel like not a lot of people totally consider when it comes to bodybuilders. You look at a bodybuilder and you're like, that guy is the most healthiest person in the world uh, and they don't really see the, the intense reality, the, the, the behind the scenes of, you know, just exactly what somebody puts their body through to get to that level.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty intense. It's, you know, you gotta, like you said, driven and you just got to stay focused and just, uh, even in the pandemic year, I still came back to compete in the same year. So it didn't phase me. I, my mind was set on what I had to do. And, You know, just before the show, I I quit a couple of times. I said, I can't do this anymore. You know, my body's falling apart. I'm not losing the body fat. And then I said to myself, you never quit before, so you're not going to quit now. So that kept me going to get through it.
0: I was going to say, normally, just like we had April talk about what got her into the arts, but does does it spoil the fact that Tony has an autobiography for us to read and this film to ask him how he got into bodybuilding? (laughs) <laughs> or you want to you get into that.
1: Do you want to give us the uh, the secret untold story?
3: That's yes, it's a big is. secret Keep because for 40 secrets, years though, I honey. said I would never tell the story <laughs> and I kept <laughs> writing the story. <laughs> you know how we hide stuff, you lock stuff away and you forget about it and you throw the key away and then all of a sudden. I had a friend, she said to me, you need to be writing a story. And I went home and I started writing that day. Uh, you know, I've been I traveled the world and I won a few world titles and... All those people who read about me, they thought they knew me, but they didn't know anything about me. So I decided to put it on paper and just to tell them where I was. I was raised in Memphis, Tennessee, and very poor and uh, without a mom, without a dad. Uh, just um, the struggle, the civil rights. I was in the middle of that. Dr. King was killed in my hometown, Memphis, Tennessee. So it's it's a long story. All the odds were against me. I was you know African American, very poor no family. Um, But I wrote the book, just thought maybe I could help just one person that you can survive. You can do the right things. You don't have to, you know, get into drugs or go to jail or be angry. I'm not angry. Uh, I use that anger. This is a good thing for me in bodybuilding because I use that pain and that suffering to prepare for my shows. Um, you know, it goes pretty deep. You know, it, it sounds good when you read. It sounds like a lot of fun, but it's a lot of pain and suffering. And But you keep fighting. you got to be a warrior, you know. Everyone says you can't do it, including my family. You're never going to be. Stop lifting weights. You're wasting time. Get a real job. You know, you hear all the stories, and then your competitor says, you're no good, you're too skinny, you can't beat anybody. And then I was up against the Federation, the IVB Federation, and they was telling me, you know, the doors were closed. I was outside looking in, and that's where I stayed for the whole my whole career. But I was able still to kind of roll with the punches, go to Europe and go to you know, New York and Australia and win some shows, and, and just keep fighting, even now. I'm you know still fighting. I'm still trying to prove myself because you always felt like you're just not good enough. But the main core of the story is, is my life growing up as a child. It's not a bodybuilding story. Uh, Muhammad Ali inspired me to get involved in sports. I met him when I was a kid and, and to see this man in person, you know, he's the heavyweight champion of the world. And I was just like, I got to find a gym, do something. And my friend says, Hey man, try out for the wrestling team. So I mean, I was very strong. So I made the team and then I had an injury and that led me to a gym back in St. Louis and my great trainer, George Turner. and And, and he saw potential in me. He saw something that I didn't see. During my whole career, I never believed in myself. That which motivated me to keep pushing myself even harder because it had neg- negativity all the way around. So I just kept training harder and just kept pushing myself and kept my mouth shut. I said, my body's going to do the talking. I always show them I'm not going anywhere.
1: Oh, well, and now we're about emotion. to show them the same thing because we made a movie about that.
2: <laughs> exactly. It, that's the whole thing, and I think Tony explained it pretty beautifully there, um, that... Driven is not, its you know, it's really easily marketed as like a bodybuilding or a sports documentary, but that's not really what it is. It is at its core, this human story of how somebody survived and persevered in a world that quite literally didn't want them from the very start. And I feel like it's a story that pretty much everyone can just start pick up and just relate to in some way they can apply whether it, they're an artist a filmmaker they can see themselves in tony they don't have to be you know tony uh, ripped <laughs> but they can absolutely relate to that story on a you know personal level
0: in some way now i after hearing tony speak for about a minute i was i immediately understood why you made a, a feature film about him he's very captivating and extremely watchable.
2: Yeah. Cameron keeps saying this to you, Tony, but, uh, when the cameras start rolling, you are just so watchable. You just read very well. You know, some people you put a camera on them and all of a sudden it's like they freeze up. They don't become themselves. You don't do that. You just continue to stay who you are. And it's, it, you just feel all of the the emotions that you know you, you go through and it translates right across the screen to the audience and finally when we get to put it in the theater i hope that entire audience you know laughs when you laugh cries when you cries and feels uh, exactly the same as you feel
3: on the on the screen I appreciate it. I, you know, I've met a lot of people and they have read my book and they go, there's so many things in there that I can relate to. I've gone through this, I did this, this happened to me. And I go, that's what I want. I wanted the people to know, hey, you're not alone. And I always felt that I'm alone. You know, I hit my story because I didn't want anybody to know the truth. So, and I want to speak my truth and, you know, set myself free because I was living a lie. So now, you know, it's, it's over, you know, you have your critics and you have your fans and, but at the end of the day, you know, you, you gotta do the best, gotta do best for you. You know what I mean? Just stand up and be yourself.
0: Absolutely. Well, I'm going to shift over to the two gentlemen in the room with me. We've had life stories. We've had the reader's digest version of each person's reason to get involved in what they're involved in. How about you two? Who wants to go first with your story?
1: I guess I'll go first since I got the mic in my hand. I won't fight him. All right, so Kendrick this is Cameron going
0: first if he can't put a voice a name to the voice.
1: Um, so I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, it's not as exciting as it sounds, I promise.
0: I've it's- been I was <laughs> impressed with Anchorage when I was there. I was impressed oh, we with the either. level of arts and It's a creative community. One would expect that.
1: It's so actually, I was going to say the opposite. Um, It's a it's a great place. It's a beautiful city. But as far as creativity goes, at least when I was growing up in the '90s, early 2000s, that was that really wasn't the case. I mean, people just don't see that as an option there. I mean, like you know, you have your artists, but as far as writing, as far as filmmaking, that sort of thing, acting, things like that. I don't act, by the way. Um, But that's not really an outlet. It's sort of something that other people do. And it's very alien. It's this very remote concept because Alaska is extremely fucking far away from everything. You know, you got to get to Seattle first and then you can go wherever you want. Um, I've done the drive and it takes three days just to get out of the woods before you're, you know, you see civilization. Um, but it's, it's at least back then it was not very creatively oriented and I never really fit in. You know, I had some really good friends. Obviously I'm close with, you know, certain members of my family, but I just felt like I didn't really know what to do, and I was very aimless. And because it's so far away, I didn't even realize that these things were options. And so, you know, I would watch movies, I would watch... um uh, I feel like this is not very unique, but I would watch the Lord of the Rings special edition, uh, special features and they had these very extensive documentaries that were behind the scenes and everyone looked like they were having such a fun time and they were talking about how they were making something special and, you know, they felt like they were a family. And I just remember, you know, a little 13 year old, 14 year old me watching that going, Oh, that looks like fun. I, I bet they're having a great time. And then, you know, five years later, it's like, Oh, I could do something like that. And I moved to LA when I was 22 and it was like the door opened. It was all of a sudden, you know, I was in film school and I was meeting people who liked to write and I was meeting people who would, you know, I I could explain that I was writing a story and they wouldn't, you know, laugh at me or have this like weird reaction. Like I'd grown a third head. They'd be like, Oh, that's cool. What's it about? And there was all this, you know, all these options that weren't available before. And so I was taking film classes and, I figured, okay, I'm going to make the most of this. Like, I want to, I want to make a short film. I want to see what I can do. And so, uh, after my first semester in uh, towards the end of 2013, I made a short film with a friend of mine. And n- none of us knew what we were doing. We had a great cast. Everybody was having a lot of fun, but the movie didn't turn out great because none of us knew what we were doing. But you know, I learned a lot. And so I kept doing that. Uh, I would do a semester at film school, and then between during the break, I would make another short film. And it was my second short film that was. Very ambitious um, is the polite word. Where I met Andrew, I remember that. (laughs) It was uh, it was called Campground, and we shot for six days. Three of those days were out in the desert, um, middle of nowhere. Like we were camping, we didn't have a bathroom. Well, actually, no, we had a porta potty that we rented. We did. We did. (laughs) What happened to the porta
2: potty? Got tipped
1: over. It didn't get tipped over. No, no. Dan Murphy hit it with his car, but he didn't. Close it didn't enough. get tipped over. Um, but so uh, I met Andrew. He was initially going to do our sound because that's what Andrew did back then. Um, that didn't end up working. But as we were going into post, um, he reached out to me randomly and he said, "Hey, uh, I need a post sound project for this school project. Do you have a post sound person for your short film?" And we didn't. And so Andrew and I met up and he ended up carrying a lot of weight on post-production back then, which has not changed in the project since. Um, he completed a big chunk of the edit. Um, he color corrected the film, which is his first color correction project. Uh, he did the post sound and he just kind of helped tie everything together. And we had a lot of fun and, you know, it was, it was interesting and we, you know, we got to know each other a little better. We got to be friends and so we figured, okay, let's, you know, let's keep doing this. And now fast forward, I think more than eight years, but not quite nine years later, uh, we're still doing it. Uh, these are our first two features. This sucks is my first feature as a writer director, but driven is technically my first feature because I'm producing it. And so, because we started that, you know, about a year before we started, this sucks. It's like, I have these two first features that are both equally my first feature. And then Andrew's first feature is just driven. Cause that was the one that came first.
0: And uh, was there a reason it sounds like so you were working together for a good eight, seven, eight years and then two features popped up. Was that uh, you got sick of shorts? You were well, finally it's, ready it's for it idiots. or the ideas were so good.
1: <laughs> well, it was it was also kind of a fluke. Um, so we were making shorts. And then in was it 2017 that we started the company? Uh, no, 2018, 2018. The years all blend together. Um, So in 2018, we figured, okay, we we've we've got a lot of practice. We're ready to make a feature, but to make a feature, you really need that, like you know, that legitimacy of having a company. And so we were working under the name of Tequila Mockingbird Productions, me, Andrew, and Teresa, just as like an unofficial thing for these short films, web series, things like that. But we decided, okay, we're going to incorporate. We're going to start a production company. Um, and that way, you know, we we had we had the website, we had everything already, but we just needed that sort of corporate legitimacy. And so we started the company. And um, right away, we hit the ground running, trying to find. You know, we had these different features that we had. He had some scripts. I had some scripts. Teresa had some scripts. And it was really just sort of a let's throw all of these projects in the air and see what sticks. And so we spent a couple of years still doing other things. You know, we hired, we did some client work. We did some short films. We did some web series, um, which is where we met our incredible executive producers for the sucks Don and Kelly, uh, Don and Kelly have done so much for us. It's really terrific. But, um, Don and Teresa went to high school together in Watsonville, California. And now Don and Kelly work, they're called two chicks in a truck and they have this thing that they do where they go to you know they call it uh they're going to a pick and so they'll go to a thrift store or an estate sale or something like that and they'll find some weird strange antique thing and then they'll refurbish it and so like one of their first projects they found this old busted ass banjo and they turned it into a wall clock and so and they have this really amazing dynamic but they're also really smart and really shrewd as far as like business goes and you know, they understand that art is art, but they also understand that there's a lot more that goes into it. And so, you know, Don Kelly and I, we got to talk in and they were definitely interested in potentially, you know, working in the movies because we did a web series with them and they had such a fun time doing it. It was kind of like you, Tony, with this documentary. It was sort of their first foray into media, into film. And they had such a great time and they were so happy with the web series that we put together that they're like, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're team Tequila Mockingbird. We want to work on more stuff with you guys. And then, um, you know, just fast forward to where we are now. Uh, we started working on Driven, which again was kind of a fluke. Cause I think you had about three days notice before Tony's competition, um, to go down and film it. I
2: literally had to just scramble and, f- you know, f- beg borrow steal equipment just to <laughs> be able to survive the weekend there mm-hmm. um it was it what's was a fun the, what's time
3: what's amazing about it he, he didn't sleep or eat for 20 hours or something that's
2: right that was not intentional okay. i i didn't i didn't realize because i started i woke up really early uh, cuz i didn't I, I didn't have a schedule for the competition so i just like i had to start my day at like 6am to make sure that i didn't miss anything uh, realized that the competition wasn't until like what, like one p.m. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and the, there was a whole bunch of drama that I wasn't able to capture on on the on the call. But I think I even saved you uh, for this competition because I think you had bad information that someone said the the competition was at later at like six p.m. or something. And then I mm-hmm. got wind. Wait, no, the competition is starting at two p.m. And I'm like, Tony, did, did I called you up. You you got to get down here real quick.
3: I know. I panic. Get down as fast as you can. It's like, oh, my God, I'm going to miss the whole show. (laughs) But somehow it worked out, you know. It It definitely worked out.
1: out. And, you know, that 12-minute proof of concept documentary turned into this feature. And so we were shooting the feature all through 2021. Um, But at the same time, I had, you know, we were at the height of the pandemic. And I was getting involved with a lot of protests and activism and things like that. And I was very frustrated with how things were turning out. And so I kind of used this creative outlet. I was writing the script. And initially it was uh, just one quick scene that I had written with a friend potentially to do for her reel, which didn't end up happening. Um, but then I started talking to Andrew and our other producer, Ali Reza, about maybe doing a web series. You know, I had these characters that were just roommates and it was a sort of silly web series um, about them doing Christmas in quarantine, essentially. And the more I sat with this idea, the more I thought, you know, I feel like... I feel like there could be a lot more to this story and so I started writing it and I started fleshing out the characters and I started fleshing out you know Jess uh in the movie April's character has experienced a lot of what I was going through specifically in you know early mid 2020 with the protests with police violence things like that and so that was kind of an outlet for me but it I wasn't really sure you know when we were going to do it I wasn't sure if we were going to do it, I just knew that I wanted to write this story. And so I'm writing it, I'm writing it, and I realize, you know, it's it's a very small project. And with features, especially, you know, the, the biggest hurdle we had always come up against was that Andrew and I were first-time directors. Um, people don't necessarily want to take a risk as far as, you know... Uh, funding, production, things like that, they don't want to take that risk for first-time directors because it is a risk. And for me, I'm like, well, how do you get people to stop being first-time directors if you're not going to help them with their projects? Kind of a cast 22 (laughs) there. Exactly, yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, we have this very, you know, most of it takes place in the house that they live in. There's a very small cast. We have these demon characters, but um, our really great SFX makeup artist, Sadie Mars, she had just moved in with me. She was my roommate. And she was showing me her portfolio of these monsters that she could make. And I was like, well, this this could be interesting. Uh, So the characters ended up having, uh, especially Jess's, April's character, uh, she has this demon that follows her around. It's the physical manifestation of her depression. And, you know, we could make these things. And so everything was very contained. Everything was very doable. And it just sort of hit a point where it's like, okay, well, why don't we just make this movie? Like, let's just... Let's just fucking do it. And then I won't be a first time director. You know, you won't be because we were pretty, pretty well into Driven at that point. And I was like, all right, well, this isn't ideal to do these both at the same time. But we made it work so far. We haven't dropped dead yet. So there's that. (laughs) Andrew's pretty close, but he gets that way. He powers through. The vigor of youth. (sighs) Andrew's actually 67 years old. I feel like I got one year on you, Tony.
3: <laughs> yeah, you do.
0: Shame. Well, that's a good segue for Andrew's story.
2: Oh uh, yeah. So where should we even start? I guess it all started when I was born. Now, <laughs>
4: um,
2: I feel like uh, filmmaking is almost, uh, in my blood now. It's like, it's something that I have started since I was very, very young. I was always this creative, uh, child. I think I was raised by the TV, uh, my parents didn't have any cable growing up. So I was literally just raised on Saturday morning cartoons and the Simpsons and King of the Hill because that's what you had during the weekdays. <laughs> I think at some point my dad actually got one of the first um, digital cameras and it was not like a DV camera with where you had the tape. Um, it was this was revolutionary to me. This was Incredible. This was a a camera that you could put a memory card inside, take it out, put it into your computer, drag and drop the file, and it's ready to go. You have a movie. It was incredible. And so I think my first films were actually me and my cousin... Uh, just going around, and because the camera didn't pick up any sound either, we and it had a recording limit of, I think, 10 seconds. So we were making 10-second silent films of, uh, you know, just changing costumes, and they were my, my actors, so I would direct them to do different things, and we just had 10-second scenarios. And so those were kind of our, our first films. Um, and I just kept going with uh i found the magic of kind of like the computers and the technology of what you can do to manipulate these images and create new things i was essentially learning the the things that a lot of these uh editing film theorists back in the the early 20s and 30s were are they already they already figured this stuff out but i was just learning it on my own as i was like oh if i attach this shot to this other shot, it'll make it look like this character is reacting to that thing that's happening over there, you know? The very basics that you find out in film school.
1: Thirteen uh, <laughs> sitting in the LACC auditorium, Jesus. <laughs> so it, it,
2: that's what I was learning at, I think, eight years old, and I would, you know, try different things. I would experiment with, like, stop motion. I learned, oh, if I took a picture of uh, a toy in this position, then I took a picture and it was moved slightly it would look like it was moving and I played it back and it was, that was my first foray into animation.
1: I made mean, stop motion clay movies when I was really young too.
2: So it was like, it was this discovery of just how can I take media and start manipulating it and just create things that people would uh, find fun and they would enjoy And um, that's kind of where that's kind of where I got my technical knowledge is just playing around with things. And um, I think it was in high school that I kind of got more serious with like, all right, I got to hunker down and actually figure out. Uh, why uh my my timeline here is not working so great? Why why am I so disorganized and all that kind of stuff? Eventually, it it didn't take me too long, but I was pretty much the uh the the person that people would go to in my class to go like, hey Andrew, what what's going on with my project here? Why is something happening? I'm like, oh, it's you you just have it in the wrong codec, or oh you you just you deleted your file, so I can't help you anymore. So things like that. Um, and that's kind of just where I started to, I really uh, excelled in. It was uh, post-production and putting things together. Um, it wasn't until recently, I want to say 2016, 2015, that I actually picked up a camera again and really got serious with the camera and learned the ins and the outs of the camera and how some how it all technically works, and I think that only uh, excelled uh, the post production side because I I realized oh there's a bigger relationship between you know capturing your media and how it gets handled all the way through the whole post production pipeline. Uh, if you want your movie to look like the actual movies it's got to start when you actually capture it and you know how to actually treat the whole thing all the way down, down the line. Um, and as I was doing that, I, uh, I became the video director at a radio station, uh, which is always a conversation starter because how do you do video for radio? That's like, that's, that's crazy. Um, they have a news division. And so I put together a concept, of what a news package would look like coming from them and surprisingly overnight it got like five thousand views and suddenly the station owners were like all right we want more of that give us more of that whatever you just did do it again over and over again for all of our news stories and so that's where i got be where i began having more training in how can I tell a full story in only two to three minutes now? Because now I have to, and that's pretty much the documentary. And it's like sometimes you're interviewing uh, people and you have half an hour, 45 minute interviews, but now I have to tell that story, condense that whole 45 minute interview into two minutes and tell me the entire story coherently. And sometimes it would be uh, super fast turnarounds as well. So it'd be like, go out, shoot it, come back to the station, edit it. It's going to go live at the end of the day. So all in all, you had like a four or five hour turnaround from shooting to editing to final publish um, for the, you know, all the audience to see. And it was, uh, it was intense, but it was good training. I think it was good training, especially for this documentary. I, I think I've only done one other documentary before I started doing all these news uh, stories. And that was when I, uh, I was in college and I took a documentary class. It was a really small class. I think three other students in that class. No, no. Five other students in that class, two of them dropped out because of this professor <laughs> it was so very intense. I feel like we all have this one teacher in our in our lives that is just the most intense and teacher. Tony absolutely does, and you get to see it in the documentary George Turner. Uh, and I know yeah. April, you must have had this experience uh, being in uh, she had ballet teachers, yeah. yeah. So oh,
4: I yes. had oh th- yeah, <laughs>
2: I, I had this I'll one film professor, and he <laughs> happened to be my documentary film professor, and he was the most intense class I had ever been through because he was just he was very Italian and very passionate. And he would yell and scream, you know, you would you would bring uh, uh, one of your homework to to class and he put it up on the projector and then you'd have to present what you just did. And he would basically just criticize every little thing and yell at you in front of the entire class. And, uh, I loved it. It was great. Oh it, was, it was amazing. I, I, you know, it was intense. It was intense. And I, you know, that's why the other two students dropped out, but I, it never got to me. It only made me go, okay, I see where where you're coming from. I see what he's doing. And it's like, just because you're yelling, I mean, I, it's not like he doesn't have a not valid point. The, you know, he's making valid <laughs> points here. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll take that into consideration and I'll make it better. And in the at the end of that class, I actually was the only student to turn in something that could be called a documentary. Everyone else kind of just... Uh, they. I, I don't, I don't know what they turned in, but it wasn't a documentary. See,
1: I'm the. I'm the. I'm the. I have the opposite Andrew. perspective on that for me, because like, for me, the second somebody is an asshole to me is the second they cease to matter. Like the second somebody starts yelling, the second somebody start, you know, criticism is one thing. And, you know, sometimes you do have to be like, I've, I've, I've fired people before. I don't love doing it, but like, sometimes you have to do it. But, you know, we have this very stringent, no assholes rule on our sets because, I've been on so many sets that I wasn't in control of where, you know, it really just does take one shitty toxic person to ruin the whole thing. And the vibe is ruined, but it's also, you know, you're working these long hours, these long days, and it's just, it's terrible. And so the second somebody is an asshole to me, I just, it's like a switch flips in my brain and I'm like, you don't matter anymore, fuck off. And I will still, you know, I still do what I have to do to finish the project. But like, at the same time, I just... It's it's, 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 just, yeah. So I, I will
2: say that there is a fine line of uh, there. I I think there's a different definition right here, Um, because you know, I can describe him as you know this very intense, passionate guy. Mm -hmm. But I feel like if somebody is an asshole, it's more like it's a personal attack kind of a thing. It's more of a, a where his was really directed completely at the screen. It was completely... uh, He he wasn't angry at me. He wasn't trying to insult me. And I I could clearly recognize that. Um, He was just really Italian and really passionate. I can only describe it as really Italian and really passionate. Uh, He would yell at every little shot that I I had. Um, But it was... It was was not, uh, you know, personal attacks. It, It was definitely not asshole-ish behavior. <laughs> um, I don't, th- it's definitely uh, not for everybody though, because, you know, th- you can take that and it's, it's not for everyone. You know, you, Tony knows this for sure. You probably, people probably come came into uh, George Turner's gym, got a little taste of George Turner and they were like, I'm out of here. I can't do this.
3: Oh yeah, Absolutely. You know, I was afraid of George, you know, he said, jump. I said, how high? <laughs> I mean, squat 400 pounds, I'm squatting. I mean, I never said no to George because I knew the moment that I said no or I can't. He's going to go, there's the effing door. You can take it. I know. I knew I was young, but I knew instinctively, you better just listen to this guy. He's an ex-Marine. <laughs> you know, he was, was me, but that, that's what I needed, though. I needed George. He, he got me ready for California. He said it's going to be tough out there. So he made sure he was... He wanted to see if if, if if he could break me. That's what he was trying to do. And I didn't realize too many years later that George was trying to kill me, but he was just testing me. So, yeah, yeah. it's... Uh,
2: and and I felt like that uh, was... Uh, <laughs> that was kind of like what uh, my, my documentary professor was uh, doing. It, and I remember after class... He's like, "Hey, you, Andrew, stay after class." And I was the last one. And I'm like, "Oh, oh, shoot! What did I, <laughs> what did I do here?" Um, and no, he I think, it was like, I, more I think of a he personal...
3: was doing, he was doing the same thing to you. He was just testing you. You, you know, you will. And, you know, you're going to run out the door and, and never come back, or you're just going to sit there and just take the beating and and learn from it. He, yeah, it was, he was testing you. That's all it was. Yeah, it was, it was tough uh, love. Yeah. That was tough love."
2: Uh, so yeah, he, he, I stayed after class and he, he was pretty much like, Hey, I just want to let you know, it was almost like a heart to heart kind of a thing of like, I'm not trying to insult you. I'm not, cause you actually do have some really good stuff here. I just get really passionate about some of these little tiny things and I want you to get better. And so that's kind of like where I came from of like, okay, if a teacher is not almost this passionate or really into what they're trying to teach you. They don't really care about you. They don't, they don't care about it.
0: Well, in these endeavors, whether it's filmmaking or ballet or acting or bodybuilding, particularly documentary filmmaking, they are such difficult endeavors that you should challenge someone and dare them to walk away from it. Cause if you can walk away from that challenge, you shouldn't be taking on that endeavor. And yeah, that's very true. He absolutely
2: challenged me to the 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 max. Uh, a little bit of a, a weird coincidence, almost like a, a message. Uh the day, I think it was Monday, we announced that Driven got into the Golden State Film Festival. Uh, amazing, yes. <laughs> uh, but I, I got a, one of those notifications on Facebook, a memory, uh, four years ago. Uh, I realized that I had made this announcement of Driven on the four-year anniversary of my documentary professor's death. And it was just... Oh. It was something that was the I, I didn't expect that. That wasn't planned. It just it popped up and I'm like, whoa. Nice,
1: nice tribute though, I think.
2: So it was it yeah, it it was almost it felt like a message from beyond the grave there of like announce your very first documentary feature and here pops up the memory of uh and his name is Guido Santi. It was it was a
0: crazy moment. <laughs> I can't help but smile because there's nothing more beautiful than an Italian named Guido.
4: Solves, just cuts to the
0: chase, doesn't it? Very Italian, very passionate. Well, that's excellent. And how, you explained how you two met, but was it at the same film school or was it just getting involved in projects?
2: Oh, uh, so we met through a mutual friend. So uh, while Cameron was having his film adventure, I was having my own film adventure uh, with another uh, film friend by the name of Charlie Kennedy. And uh, Charlie actually has a song in This Sucks. uh, She does. (laughs) Um she was producing a short film, and or she was gonna direct a short film, and she asked me to come on as the production designer and a producer on that film. And I'm like, yeah, we you are literally my very first film friend. I will do anything for you because I know you'd do anything for me. And um, so we produced this uh, horror short, and the actress who played the lead in that, uh, Michaela, Um, actually was the connecting person because later on I, I connected with her afterwards and I said, Hey, I thought you did a really great performance. If you need any post-production stuff done, you know, just let me know. She texts me later saying, Hey, I'm producing this other film that just so happened to be Cameron's second film. And, uh, we met at a coffee
1: bean, I believe. It was was a, a coffee bean in Koreatown. Yeah. Uh, Michaela Cavalli, um, she works at Miramax now, so she's making some good decisions. Um, she and I met, it was actually weird because I, I don't, I belong firmly behind the camera. I don't like getting in front of the camera, but I was 23 and I was kind of playing around and seeing like what I wanted to do and things like that. And I had responded to this call for extras and it was down at the beach and it was first, you know, they wanted people who looked like they could be in school and, you know, I, I still look a lot younger than I am. Um, I'm 43 years old. (laughs) I'm not. Um, But um, at 20, yeah, April, you didn't know this. I'm 43 years old. Okay. All right. (laughs) I'm 31.
0: I was going to say, is 43 supposed to sound old? Because it sounds young to me, but go on.
1: Yeah, no. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, I was 23. I looked like I was in high school. And so I was like, oh, I'm school age. And so I went to this thing and it was actually a middle school dance. And so there were all of these actors and people who were like, 13, 14 years old. And then it was me. And then it was Michaela. Uh, there was this girl, Jesse, and then these two others, uh, Kyle and Liana were their names. And so we were the only adults there who were in the extras pool. Uh, but we all, we all kind of looked like we could be in high school, but they, they were using us a lot for this middle school dance because we knew what we were doing. And, um, And so Michaela and I really got along and we were talking a lot and we, you know, we're getting to know each other throughout the day because it was a long day and we kept in touch. And I started writing this thing that I I knew I wanted to do something. And so I started writing this thing and I asked, uh, hey, Michaela, do you want to help me produce this and also act in it? Because she was acting at the time. She was like, yeah, absolutely. And so she introduced me to Andrew. And then uh, we met our, our other partner, Teresa, at the radio station where Andrew still works. She was a radio personality there.
2: Oh, is that where I I continue the story? You can. Okay. Um, So, (laughs) yeah, and uh, on the flip side of that whole story, um, I had just started work at the radio station and I would, uh, well, here's... And is that a radio station here? Uh, it's actually out in Santa Clarita. It's KHTS Radio, AM 1220 and FM 98.1. Because
0: actually, Andrew, you did escape mentioning where you grew up. Everyone else mentioned where they grew up. Oh, man. <laughs> Me
2: too. I, yeah. So I grew up, uh, if we want to go all the way back, I grew up in North Hollywood, um, then I moved out, uh, here we go. We, I just
0: physically shook his hand
2: because I grew up in North Hollywood. <laughs> so I grew up literally, uh, uh, one block away from that big Catholic church. So oh, what is it? St. Charles. I think it is. Oh, Lancashire and Park or whatever. Uh, or no, different one. It's a huge, uh, Catholic church. Um, it's, I think it is Lancashire. Yeah, Lancashire. Um, uh, And I I grew up in an apartment there. And uh, eventually my uh, parents, uh, we moved out to uh, the San Fernando Valley in Granada Hills. Um, And yeah, I recently moved right back to North Hollywood. Now I'm just uh, a few few blocks away from where I grew up.
0: (laughs) But amusingly, you two have... A very complimentary story. Anchorage, Alaska, so far away from the industry, <laughs> it didn't seem like it existed. And North Hollywood, where you go to school and probably a good percentage of the kids have parents who are grips or this or that, because there's yeah,
1: he's been here the whole there's
0: all the studios. And you actually, growing up here, you learn how many jobs there are that n- no one's ever heard of unless you are well familiar with filmmaking or or TV. I.
2: Yeah, that's very true. I remember one of my my high school uh, film teachers saying um, he would also get really mad at us, too. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Um, He would say that, you know, you guys, you need to make better films because you are literally in the heart of Hollywood. There are people that are states away that are making better films than you. You are in Hollywood. You should be making the standard. (laughs) And so uh, I took that to heart and I'm like, all right, I got to really hunker down and know my editing. I got to know how to create these things. And uh, yeah, I I created some of the, I want to say some of the most creative uh, editing stuff in the that class where I was just, I got really experimental. I experimented with, uh, programs that were available to us, but nobody, nobody wanted to, they just wanted to do the, the bare basics, get the edit done, turn in your film and you're done. Um, there was only, I think a couple other students that wanted to do film as, as serious as I did.
1: I had a pretty similar experience uh, when I was in film school. Like, I I don't do the technical things. I'm not. It's embarrassing how little I know about cameras. Like, you put something like this in front of me and I'm just going to freeze. But, like, you know, there were only a few of us actually doing stuff. And I was the only one who was actually going out and making my own projects. Um, And I had a co-director for the first one. And she's, you know, she was great and she was doing stuff, too. But besides the two of us, there really weren't many people in our class who were doing things and i remember people i i don't i don't remember his name but there was another kid who he just thought it was so weird he's like wait you just went out and filmed a short film you can do that yeah like what what we just you know we had to figure out where to get all the shit and we had to figure out how we we're going to pay for it but yeah you just go out and film it and it was weird because i had this sort of like there were people in my classes at film school who were looking at me like i was this you know influential figure. And to me, it was just the natural thing. It's like, well, I moved many thousands of miles to make movies. So I'm going to try and make movies. So, and I was very serious about it. And there's, you know, there's people from that school who are doing some pretty incredible things, but there's also a lot of people who just, I don't know where they are anymore. It's like, you know, some of them are still taking classes there. Some of them are still, you know, they've gone on to other things, but it really is that, you know that that mindset and this is something that i heard a lot back then you know if you can do anything else and be happy doing it you go do that because film is terrible and hard and i heard that a lot when i was in film school and kind of like you with guido you know i took that as a challenge i was like i don't have a plan b i really can't i don't think i will be happy doing anything else so i guess i'll just fucking do this then <laughs> I mean, I, I
2: kind of, I, yeah, I had a, the very same experience where it's just uh, if you, you must, you have to really, really, really love film, mm-hmm. the process of doing it. Otherwise, just you're, you're going to give up. You are absolutely going to give up. It, it's this is not something that you know you can just dive into. It looks fun, but you got to have the passion for it. If you don't, if you don't have the passion you are going to give up at the first sight of it getting really, really
0: hard. Mm -hmm. Well, you have to love the work because you can't live for the results and you can't live for the reactions Mm -hmm. because you just have no control over that. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, that's also very true. And I think that's where a lot of filmmakers, they got to just make movies for themselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, otherwise, it's like you if you keep trying to chase... The, the audience reaction, you're going to drive yourself mad or become just over-commercialized, I think.
1: Well, I'm really I'm really curious, too, because uh, we have these premieres coming up, and April and Tony, neither of you have seen the full movies. You've both seen snippets. You've both seen clips and scenes. You've both seen trailers. Uh, April did some ADR for The Sucks, so she saw some of those scenes, but neither of you have actually seen the complete full movie. And I'm really, I'm terrified to sit, it feels like being back in high school, like presenting your project (laughs) to the class, but I'm really excited for the two of you and for, you know, Michael, uh, Eric, Emily, the rest of the cast to see what you guys did and how you are so integral to these movies and how you really are the lives of them. And I'm really, really excited to see how you guys feel about them. And I hope they don't hate them. They're not going to hate
4: them. Right. No,
2: no, no. On the, for the oh, record, I'm actually the complete opposite. I, I know am,
4: we're funny. I know we're funny. <laughs> I know. I am you absolutely know, so fine. <laughs> excited
2: um, for Tony to actually see the full film. I'm excited to finally share it. It's been a two and a half year journey of that documentary. And of all the bodybuilding documentaries that I've seen and researched on the way there, I truly feel like we've... Uh, we've accomplished something that no other documentary in that genre has really gone for it. it, We've really truly built something that is different. We've crafted something that is like just baked in love and
0: passion and you can taste it with every bite. I don't want to ruin your lives, but that's what I do. No, wouldn't it be wonderful now if you just decided to make a documentary about April seeing driven, at this film oh, yeah. festival, and Tony you, and Tony of you seeing have this to come sucks. Both screenings. They're both see you're, you're They're going to see I'm the there. other's film. Right the, mm-hmm. And you could capture that. That seems like
2: a great marketing <laughs> thing. Cool. I, I I like that.
1: I'm going to let you do it. And you have idea. two people who are fantastic <laughs> on camera. <laughs> that is beautiful.
0: I think, day. yeah. yeah. We're, okay, we have to do that now. Because right. the odds of them premiering at the same festival, the premiering at the same festival is so cool.
1: Well, that is cool. It's kind of funny, too, because, like, we never would have dreamed that both movies would happen at the same time. We never would have dreamed that we would finish them within, like, a week, a week and a half of each other. And then we never would have dreamed that they'd premiere one day after the other this sucks a saturday afternoon and then driven is sunday morning so it's like literally this whole road has converged into this one goddamn fucking weekend that (laughs) is gonna be great we're gonna take over the chinese theater we're gonna make a whole big scene Mm -hmm. we're gonna turn it into this giant party but i do yeah we usually do i never would have guessed that this is how this piece would happen at the same time Uh the same weekend like Less than 12, twelve, less than eighteen hours apart. It's kind of wild. Wow, wow. incredible! You are going to be emotionally spent, and yes. that's all over. I am going to sleep a lot Monday. I'm already emotionally spent. Yeah, that's well. That's part of it too. Is um, can I say this? Can I say that? What can you say? did neither movie's finished yet. What? Oh, yeah. No, no. I think we already
0: covered that, didn't we?
1: Did we? Oh, yeah. So I think in
0: the intro, you mentioned how
1: you were grinding out to the end. You're right. You're right. I did. So I did say it already. So I'm going to say it again. By the time you were listening to this podcast, we would have finished these films and all is well. (laughs) Yes, all is well. But it's it's a lot going because Andrew and I are doing the color on this sucks. Uh, we're also doing the color on Driven. We did the sound mix on Driven very recently. And so it's just these last few pieces that are all happening at the same time. In addition, you know, we also have to market it, we also have to communicate with the festival, we also have to do amazing interviews with amazing interviewers such as. Jeff Howard, um, but there's just. They're, please tell me your name is Jeff Howard. I'm very tired. He's shaking his head at me. He's like, I was shaking my head because I'm not good at taking. My name is Roger. No, you, you honestly, actually, I'm gonna gas you up for a second because. Jeff has done so much for indie filmmakers with this podcast, Discover Indie Film, with his series, Discover Indie Film, with your film festival. Like, you are a champion for independent filmmakers, and that's surprisingly rare in this town. You know, for L.A. being, like, the genesis of film, the heart of film, it's very corporatized. It's very... You know, I, I've shot in some really cool places. We did a short in New Hampshire once. I've shot in Denmark. Like, I've done things outside of L.A., and people get excited about it. And I love it because that's how I feel. You know, in New Hampshire, we shut down – the the restaurant we shot in, they just shut down for the day. And they're like, oh, my God, you want to make a movie here? Absolutely. But here in L.A., that, you know, costs several thousands of dollars. And if you go even a minute over time, it's going to be several more thousand And so there's this, you know, it makes sense because it is a business, but it's also really, really nice, really refreshing change of pace to meet somebody like yourself who just really cares about movies and really cares about filmmakers and stories and, you know, has not lost that passion for that. So thank you for being awesome is what I'll say to that because he's not going to taking compliments. So I'm going to get really sincere. Yeah. And in addition to that, Jeff, before you even
2: speak, <laughs> I, uh, I in preparation for this podcast, I l- listened to like two podcasts and I thought, oh, you know, I'm just going to do two podcasts just to get the feel for the flow, of the, the whole podcast. And then 50 podcasts later, I'm like, oh, you know what? I, I'm actually, I'm actually pretty addicted to this podcast. I really like it. I like Hearing other filmmakers where they came from, Mm -hmm. learning that there are, you know, some filmmakers had the exact same film path and experience that I did back in high school or, you know, out in college. And it's it's really nice. And you kind of get different perspectives of how they think. And, you know, it it's it's really, really nice. So I I totally appreciate the Discover Indie podcast wherever you get your podcast. Go on to Amazon Prime and purchase the new season of Discover Indie film.
1: And while you're on Amazon Prime, why don't you uh, purchase Driven My Secret Untold Story written by author, bodybuilder, documentary star Tony Pearson?
0: shameless <laughs> plug shameless plug i'm actually gonna step out for a moment not step out i'm gonna mention to april because of her dance background the next season of discover indie film is all dance films oh i've yeah. heard this oh. i've listened
2: i'm subscribed that's cool
0: yeah, I was invited to be a guest curator at a dance film festival in Exeter, UK. Oh, right. and uh, I said to the head programmer, "You want to do an all dance season, and you pick the films, and I'll just sit back and do very little." Oh shit! Sure. And she okay. agreed. So actually, this is the first time I get to do very little.
1: That's I'm very excited for you. I but would da- love. To I do can very I cannot
0: get enough of dance. I yeah. I am the Me least too. graceful human alive, <laughs> so I love to watch you graceful humans do your graceful things.
1: Well, Aww, and
4: before, I'm glad it looks graceful, but it feels painful and and, <laughs> and it, it's not comfortable, but I'm glad it looks good to, to like all of you.
1: <laughs> it's just that end result that people care about. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Tony will tell you, it's all
2: about when you get on stage, that's all that matters. doesn't matter what you look mm-hmm. like at the gym.
3: It, it, thank you. It doesn't matter what you look like, Jimmy. You
0: only a bodybuilder nope. when you're under the lights. That right there, so. So. well, congrats on all this work and all this coming together at the same time. Thank you. Thanks. Are there any extra? Are there websites and social media stuff that people should, uh, should know and follow? There, all four of you probably have some kind of
1: presence. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. April, why don't you start? Oh, okay.
4: Um, you can follow me at April Denise Scott. That's my professional social media. And um, if you want to catch workout things and, you know, what I do outside of performing arts, it's april.living.life.
1: Do you have a website?
4: Not yet. No, I'm working on it. Working on it.
1: It's website soon. to come.
3: How about you, Tony? Website to come. Uh, com. Um, my IG is Tony Pearson eighty seven, and I have a Michael Jackson <laughs> uh, Facebook page. Uh, Tony Pearson, of course, and um, yeah, that's it.
2: And this this is not just a random Michael Jackson reference. Uh, we go over in the in the documentary, but at some point in his career, he got labeled the Michael Jackson of
1: bodybuilding. So, and you yes. looking at those pictures, like I believe why. Michael Jackson with muscles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then uh, I'm I'm on Instagram at the Camunist. Um, we have Tequila Mockingbird Productions for our Tequila Mockingbird website. We also have ThisSucksMovie.com, which we're keeping pretty up to date as far as updates for The Sucks. You can get your tickets there, as well as the Golden State Film Festival website. Um, we have our Tequila Mockingbird Instagram, which I believe is just at Tequila Mockingbird Prod. Uh, so, yeah, we've got uh, we've got a lot going on between both our individual ones and Tequila Mockingbird. Dan, you can follow me at Director Menji on Instagram. That's
2: M-E-N-J-I, Director Menji. Um, I also came up with that handle.
0: Uh, fun fact. Oh, well, <laughs> there you go. Director Menji. That's me. <laughs> well, and I'll ask you for an email with all these so I can have clickable links. There will be clickable links in the show notes which makes me feel like a podcaster when I say it. <laughs> yes, <a> <laughs> I guess I am. Yeah. Well, what are we doing? Here oh, well, look, okay. look it's, it's only been since five August and a half. 17. Yeah, since 2017. I still feel like it's just a hobby, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Same. You just about talk into make- a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I guess I'll do the wrap up. And then I may not have warned everyone in advance, but we do the four... Well, Andrew knows we do the four questions as its own uh, podcast, where we'll where we'll tear. Everyone will be able to tell us their favorite films, overrated, underrated, a lesser known film to seek out. That'll be the podcast after
1: this one. Okay,
0: because otherwise it'd just be too long.
1: That's fair. Yeah, I am very verbose, so I apologize for that. I'd still. Oh, it's okay. I'm already ready. But you know, stay (laughs) tuned.
3: We're
2: gonna we're gonna have some really cool films that we're gonna talk about next. Well, now comes the ending spiel. Which do you skip these two? Oh, good God, no. I mean, I know them, but uh, no, I don't. I got I got to stick it all the way out. I almost feel like I should ask you to do it then, but you want me to do it? Uh, pl- please. I want to see it in person. I'm here live. I
0: can experience it in person. <laughs> well, Cameron and Andrew helped me so much because you, you've already mentioned a lot of stuff. But if you want to learn more about the Discovery New Film podcast or the TV series on Amazon Prime Video that was born out of it, just go to discoverindiefilm.com on social media. It's at D-I-F wins everywhere. By the way, like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Please smash that like button. And be a kind person and support Indie Film and go to Prime Video on a nice big TV. Type in Discover Indie Film. It'll autocomplete somewhere along the way. Watch the films. It's 99 cents an episode or $7.99 for a season of 10 episodes So think about that. Eight bucks and you see 20 to 25 indie films where the filmmakers are like these two made it for the right reasons. Passion because they had to make it. So eight dollars, please.
1: It's like totally worth it.
0: Yeah, It's like going to a film festival for only eight bucks. It's half the price of a movie ticket to watch three hours. Anyway, I'll stop begging, but I will beg to buy the show and then review it. Give it five stars.
1: Please. <laughs> okay, so oh, the, no. now now oh, I, no. I need a minute because that made me so happy that you just said that. So in addition to all these other things that Andrew does, uh, Andrew actually plays a role in this sucks. He is the very energetic, happy, optimistic, cheerful delivery boy character. And Delivery Boy, uh, I need you to get into character for a minute because, you know, I'm going to make you say it. Yes. So at the end of every Delivery Boy scene, he's obsessed with our roommates. He wants to be their friend so badly, but he's so excited. So how do you how do you uh, leave an interaction, Andrew? Oh, please, please give me five stars. Every boy just needs those five
2: stars. I absolutely need the five stars. But in all seriousness, please give Jeff five stars in the Discover Indie podcast. Oh, please give Jeff uh, Howard and his podcast the five stars it absolutely deserves. And um, he will deliver amazing films right into
0: your eyeballs. (laughs) They're wonderful films. And I'll add. Sherman Oaks Film Festival, Film Invasion Los Angeles. One uh, Sherman Oaks Film Festival every November. Go to ShermanOaksFF.com and it's at Sherman FF on social media. Film Invasion Los Angeles, go to that's every June. Go to FilmInvasionLA.com or at Film LA on social media. And the new thing, I'm going to mention the new thing, Ooh. which has a new name as of today. Exclusive. We got a exclusive here. You want to go to watch? I don't call it that. Watchtvhi.com. Watchtvhi.com. I love to watch TV. It's high. a streaming service and or smart TV app where all the content is perfect to watch if you're a responsible drug user who can use marijuana without it hurting your life. Oh, so it is
1: literally watching TV high. It, it's oh, it's, it's content
0: for funny. when you're high. It is. It's I'm I have so friends sorry. in recovery oh, really? so I I take ju- <laughs> I take it seriously. Don't let drugs affect your life. But if you can use it in a way that doesn't hurt your life, makes it better, and you enjoy an edible at night or maybe, you know, a little something, WatchTVHigh.com is the place to go. Or you can go to Roku TV, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Android TV, iPhone mobile, or Android mobile. The app is everywhere.
1: That's awesome. I did not know about WatchTVHigh, and now I'm going to have to figure this out. Watch TV high.
0: Oh, TV high was born because I watch sixteen hundred films a year that get submitted to the festivals. Well, higher. <laughs> and I see a lot of stuff, and I go, "That would be even better okay. if I'd watched it three hours from now when I'm, you know,
4: yeah, when you're
0: winding m- up my day." Yeah, okay.
4: all right. Mm-hmm, when you're baked. Mm-hmm.
2: Why that's that? high. And then go over to the Discover Indie podcast and listen to a podcast from uh, a filmmaker.
0: That's right, oh and I God. guess should I mention that Watch TV High is four twenty per month if you subscribe.
1: <laughs> is oh. it really? <laughs> oh,
0: that's beautiful. <laughs> and now that Tony's retired, he can, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You let loose. Oh, you
0: you can it. afford to get the munchies.
1: More we'll, often. we'll take Ready? some special California gummies together, Tony, if you want. Oh,
0: awesome! Thanks. That's what they need. You guys might need gummies at the Chinese. Well, so that's the oh thing. My I, God.
1: I don't. I don't drink anymore. I've been sober for actually four years now. Um, but uh, I do enjoy the special California gummies now and again because I feel like you you know you kind of need that vice you need that release um, but Andrew told me that I can't take one for the screening because I get really bad anxiety and I'm always I'm already very anxious about the screening Don't and he's and he's like no that's going to make it worse you can't ta- you you can't take it before the screening you're going to make it so much
0: worse as i said it's about being responsible and knowing moderation and yeah. choosing picking your picking your times exactly yeah drive you to the hospital I they mean, know you're not going to learn anything and just going mean, to leave me you in the
1: trash. Smoke
4: a joint. I mean, why do you have to take an edible? Edibles are like scary, you
1: know? No, see, ed- edibles are really like soothing for me cuz I I also have like a messed up throat like medically. And so when I if I smoke anything it just hurts. So I don't like smoking, but I do like the edibles cuz they just relax me. I'll if bring you my if have the dosage right, so, you, know, you, you start can, with you a can, very you low dose. your own dosage, you know?
4: Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I'll be I kind of just, I have the gummies, and they're each like 10 milligrams or whatever, and I just bite them in half, and then I just coast through the evening. It's great. You know, you're kind of my target for audience for sorry. High TV. <laughs> I, know, I mean, TV you, high. I know, I sound like I do this all the time. I swear I don't, but like, <laughs> it is fun now and again. Okay. And I'm very excited for watch TV high. Excellent. I think we're good.
0: Is that going to be a cut on our first? Well, we're Thanks. not cutting yet, but I was going to name everyone okay. one last time. Everyone, say say your full names one last time. This is Andrew Menjivar,
2: director for Driven, the Tony Pearson story.
1: And this is Cameron A. Mitchell, writer-director for This Sucks. April and Tony. Oh,
4: this is April Denise Scott, lead actress in This Sucks.
3: This is Tony Pearson, author, Driven.
0: Excellent. Thank, uh, thank you, everyone, for taking part in this. Thank you for having us. And thank you, thank everyone you. out there who's thank listening. Thank
3: you. Way to
2: do this again. I love this podcast. <laughs> 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 We're about to do Rummy
1: it again. Bears. Andrew's not going to leave. He's just going to be in your wall somewhere just waiting for his chance. Oh, Andrew and I are going to talk. <laughs> oh.
4: <laughs>